0: Welcome to the Future belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Nathan Berry. I'm the CEO at ConvertKit, and I'm joined by my co-host, Barrett Brooks. He's the COO here at ConvertKit. And we're on a mission to help creators earn a living. This show is about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. Welcome to episode 46 of the Future Blogs to Creators. I'm here today in a new location. Which we can talk about, but I'm also joined by Barrett Brooks, who is not new. He's the same Barrett Brooks that well, actually, a lot of a lot could have changed over the weekend. So maybe we'll get into that. Barrett, welcome to the show. How are you? I am very bueno. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where that was going to go. I was like, ooh, I'm sorry. i sorry. We actually haven't talked before this. We basically jumped on, was like, what's the topic? That? Yep. ahead, okay, go live. And so I, I don't know, but but you're good. That's.
1: It's good to hear. I'm good. I'm good. It was a good weekend. Um, I very intentionally took this weekend as a don't work, don't work in the yard, don't exert yourself kind of weekend. And it was really nice. I forgot what that felt like. <laughs> I've really been, I guess, entertained myself with very hard physical labor for the past month, month and a half. And I um, felt good not to do that. I read several books. Not, I didn't finish them, but I read from several books. So I guess is how I should put that. I also grocery shopped on Sunday morning for the first time on a weekend in a while. It was pretty good. It was good. But then I spent most of the day like chopping and prepping the veggies for the next two weeks so that I can just pull them out of the fridge and cook them immediately as opposed to like having to do the whole routine. I'm interested to see how that goes. Um, yeah. So I'm good. Excited for this week of the podcast. How you doing? I'm good. I'm,
0: uh, I moved into the tiny house this weekend. So this is me in the new oh, office. No. Does your family miss you? <laughs> I, I moved work into the tiny house. They're still over there. Um, but it's exciting to be out here. I have tons of natural light. I've, I feel like it's a way better setup. There's a bit of an echo, so I got to deal with that. Also, the way this desk is set up, if I bump it, it rocks the screen. I think it's probably just a function of standing desks, desks not quite being as stable. Yeah. But I found, well, I tweeted about this problem of like, why is my iMac rocking? Um, and I found a little hardware device that people 3d print and i bought one um that you can mount on there and like fix it in there better i don't know if this will fix the problem but yeah um anyway i'm rambling i'll give a full tiny office tour at some point i guess this weekend the only thing i did that was big was i went on an eight mile hike which was pretty fun had with a few friends in town we went out drove to the mountains i was kind of worried because the parking lot was totally full and i was like oh boy here we go But it turns out that 20 cars with people spread out over eight miles, like it's not a problem at all. Pretty
1: sparse.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Not a big deal. So anyway, I'm good. Uh, Excited to dive into our topic. I don't know. Do we have anything else random that we want to cover?
1: No, I don't think so. Oh, you know what? One thing I will throw out there. Um, We are thinking about the future of this podcast. We've been at it. So when we started, if you remember, we said we were going to do this for eight weeks for sure. Um, It's been nine and uh, enjoying it. Obviously love having the crew here every day. Um, We are thinking about how to move forward. Um, So we have a couple options there. One is to change exactly nothing uh, and keep doing exactly what we're doing. But another one we're considering is going to a weekly format where we have a little bit of a longer form show, probably an hour, but you know, if we really got into something, I, I suppose we could end up going a little bit longer on occasion. And I guess I'd just love to hear what you think if you're in the audience and you listen, uh, you know, especially live, um, you're probably the biggest consumers of the show. And so we'd love to hear what you'd like us to do. Um, some inputs there is, you know, obviously daily is harder for everyone to consume. It really makes you have to form a habit. And, uh, also, you know, we want to make sure that we're having the best impact that we can in terms of, uh. I don't know, impact per episode. Would that be the metric we're going for here? Um, In terms of number of people we're impacting and how deep we can get into topics. So anyways, write us, let us know. You can comment in the chat or you can shoot us emails at Nathan or Barrett at convertkit.com. That's not one email address. It's actually two email addresses (laughs) separated by an or. Um, Anyways, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, that's good. Um, Side note,
0: I have a lot of people like reach out to Twitter, and like hey what's your email address i'd love to send you an email or if i say hey shoot me an email let me know sometimes i put my email address in but a lot of times i just i just don't and then then they'll follow me like what's your email address or people will reach out like instagram dms or something i couldn't find your email address so and i'm just like it's my first name at my company name.com also
1: like, oh, there's a really fancy validator built into email where <laughs> if you just try it you'll usually find out if it works oh man for sure
0: Okay, well, let's dive into our topic today. We're talking about pricing and packaging. Um, it's something that comes up a lot, right? You built a product, you, know, you picked a price to go, go with, you're like, all right, I'm selling my ebook for 15 bucks, 20 bucks, anything like that. And then that's fantastic to get it launched. But then as you get into it, it's like, well, what's the strategy behind it? What's, what's real thought that goes into it? So we want to dive into that. I think just where I want to start it is with some really common pricing advice that I just want to echo. It doesn't apply all the time, but I think for new creators, it applies. And that's just charge more. Like so often, we're thinking, we're getting this out there, like, I think I'm going to charge $5. And you're like, okay, okay, cool. We've got a number down, it's thrown out there, it's on paper or whatever. Let's just double it just for the heck of it, you know? Let's go to 10. And I think that's so often that when you price your own stuff, you're charging uh, too little. And so that's where um, I would say to start is to just think, okay, nope, let me go, you know, let me charge what I'm worth, let me um, increase that to a higher price point.
1: Yeah, and there's this economics term called price elasticity. And price elasticity refers to the idea that there is an equilibrium between uh, pricing and demand. And so as you increase price, demand will go down. And as you decrease price, demand will go up. That's the theory. It doesn't always work that way in practice, but it often works that way in practice. But there is a point at which there's kind of like a max or a max revenue point where you can increase a price to the certain point. And even though demand, so total number of people who will buy that thing might decrease, the total Mm -hmm. amount of revenue you make is actually more. And so an example of this would be if you charge $1 for a thing and a hundred people will buy it, or you charge $5 for a thing, a thing, and half as many people will buy it, But that's 50 people times five is $250, whereas before you were making $100 from the 100 people who bought it. That makes you more money. And so generally speaking, uh, that advice for charging more comes from this idea in economics of the price elasticity of demand. Very, very often, creators are underestimating the number of people who will still pay at an increased price, and they're optimizing for... Really, the psychology of knowing you didn't overcharge or that you didn't charge more than the thing was in value. And what you actually want to be optimizing for is revenue for your business. Don't be a huckster. Don't trick people into buying things that they shouldn't buy. But in general, you should uh, charge as much as you can to earn the max amount of revenue.
0: Yeah, we're all trying to earn a living as a creator. We're trying to um, build a business that's going to pay all the bills. And so, one of the best way to do that is to charge, uh, charge a good price. And so this gets into another point of pricing based on value delivered, not whatever else is going on in the industry, right? So if we think about we're selling a book, um, I'll use my own example of selling a book about design. I could go different ways. What does a book cost? 20 bucks? 20 bucks seems like a fair price for a book. Uh, but you know what? Amazon, they discount all the books. And so now all of a sudden we're like $13, $14 is the fair price for a book. So I guess I should go with that. Well, but hold on. A book has, like, it's a physical book. It it gets printed. It gets shipped. There's all these costs to it. I'm not selling a real book. I'm selling an e-book. So I should probably be cheaper than that. So like $9, $7? And we do this thing where we're like, we price based on these comparisons to similar things in the category. And what's going to happen is you're going to drive that way down And and you're taking this thing that's really for a niche audience, right? You're sending it to your 100 people on your email list, your 500 people, your 5,000 people. And you're saying, let me take this niche thing and make it like a total mass market thing. And I would just say, don't do that. Instead, think about what's the value that I'm delivering. And so in my case, I was like, okay, well, I'm teaching people how to design iPhone applications. These are high paid people. I'm teaching a skill that makes money to people who have money. And so why don't we price based on value? Like, if you go through my book, what's the outcome? And I would want you to save two weeks to a month off of your development, your design learning career um, by reading this book. So I'm like, okay, well, a high paid person saving two weeks or a month, like that's worth more than $10. And so that's when I got into charging a crazy price for a book of $39. And that was the starting point. I went up from there. But that's where you start to think about, okay, what's the value that you can provide What's the outcome that your whatever you're selling has and let's price based on that, not like how many hours it took me to create or whatever else is out there in the market.
1: Yeah it's a really easy kind of linear thinking path when you're teaching something related to making money. And so if you're teaching a skill set that has professional value or it allows someone to go start a business or it helps them become a better designer which then translates into the ability to earn more money. Um it's it's really easy to think through that, you know, there's economic mm-hmm. value to it. And so i think A lot of places where people get bogged down in this are when they don't have as clear a path to economic value from what they're creating. And so this often happens in the kind of entertainment space or the inspiration space. So let's say you make a documentary about um, the Arctic region and how climate change is altering the patterns of wildlife there. There's no uh, economic value per se to that. Like if I sit down and I buy that from you and I watch it, I'm not going to go get 10 times the value of the price that I paid from that in money. And so now you're appealing to a different kind of value. And in Mm -hmm. that case, it's very much an aspirational um, identity-based purchase. I am the kind of person who believes in conservationist and environmentalist work. Therefore I'm going to support you so that you can continue doing it and spreading the message. And that's something entirely different. And in that case, you're playing with this kind of different form of value that you want to price towards. You want to think about a person in the position, number one, who's in your audience. And so that goes Mm -hmm. back to earlier conversations we've had on the show. Do they have money? Do they not have money? What is it that they're buying for? So I'm buying a documentary to become more educated, to be able to share it with friends and to seem smart on the topic of environmentalism in that case. That's worth to me, I don't know, maybe it's worth 25, 30 bucks if I get to own it forever because I also know it's going to support your work. Like it's not what I would normally pay for a movie to buy it and maybe to rent it, it's worth I don't know, you could probably charge a little bit more than iTunes does, maybe seven bucks because I respect you and you're an independent artist and I'm not going through this massive marketplace. And so you really do want to think through what is the value you're providing? Where is the value being derived from?
0: Yeah, that's good. When I, I think this rolls into kind of the next topic um, within it is multiple price points. And, and that's that you can actually charge different people different amounts. So let's say I, I produce this, uh, documentary on environmental topics that I really care about. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to sell it for $15 because that feels like that range. And I want it to be as accessible to as many people as possible. And then you're thinking, but there are so many more people who care and who would love to back the project and who just want to support me as an independent creator. And the problem is that now all they can do, like the most they can pay you is $15. You can't do anything else from there. that's where multiple packages come in where you say, okay, I'm going to sell um, versions of the same product at very different price points. And so an example there would be great. Get the documentary for $15. And then there's a, like, um, I'm trying to think what I would even call it. And then the other side would be like the true fan, but, you know, it would be the, the uh, project investor or the, you'd have some clever thing, right. Of, the person trying to learn. And then you'd have like the conservationist or the something, right? There'd be a higher tier and that's $50. And with that, you get behind the scenes access. You get this additional um, video. Maybe you get access to a group Q&A call with the director of the film. You know, some of those things where there's this price at $50. Maybe even there's one way up there at thousands of dollars where you actually get to come to this dinner in San Diego that's happening with these other people, right? If you really care about it. Cause you end up with this, I mean, going to the price elasticity that you were talking about before, you end up with this big range of someone who's like $15 is a lot of money to some people, to many people. And then, you know, $50 or $250 might not be that much money it, uh, to somebody else. And so you can actually capture that whole range of value and give people options in what to buy rather than just choosing one high price and excluding everyone below it or choosing one low price and missing out on all the revenue and all the support for your creative work.
1: Yeah, I love that. I've got an example here to share of this exact thing. Um, This is a film festival that's going on right now called Mountain Film. Uh, They're doing it online instead of in Telluride where they normally are. And um, you can get just a base level pass is 75 bucks to be able to view all of the films at any time from May 15th to 25th. And then they have these other passes that you can see here Uh, which range all the way up to $5,000. And it's exactly that, Nathan. It's the the ability to- It's a great, great way to talk about it. Yep, exactly. And so you get access to all the films, all of the extra presentations and everything, but really it's a tax-deductible donation. And so they're just making this available because they know that some people- in their community, number one, they really want to make sure this festival makes it beyond the pandemic. And number Mm -hmm. two, they support the kinds of work that are featured in the festival. And so this is just an annual way, I would imagine, for a lot of people to give their annual donation. And they know that. And so they're just putting it right up front so that you can make that donation as you're buying a ticket, essentially, which is super smart here.
0: Yeah. So the way that I would think about it when doing packaging is I would say, what's the price that I want to charge to make it accessible to everyone? Then I encourage you to double that as Emily pointed out in the chat. Cause like for a lot of things, that price that I'd come up with would be like $10, $20, you know, like I find that my default tends to be pretty low. So it's like, okay, we're doubling that. And then let's go to the version. Let's think about, okay, that's for everybody. What's the thing for the true fans? The people who are like, oh, I'm all in or the people to whom money is not really an issue, I think when uh, this was years ago, when my son first started going to a private school and it's a private school here in Boise. So it's not like East Coast private schools or anything like that. And so there's, it's not even that expensive, but I, I was at an event there and I realized just how many people have so much money. And I was like, whoa, this is not at all the world that I grew up in or, or anything like that. And you realize, oh, okay. My preconceptions about money are just radically different for other people in both ends of the spectrum. And so then you think about, okay, what's the offering that I'm going to have to the person who's not going to think long and hard about spending $200 or $300, or there's another type of person, and that's the one holding the company credit card, where they're actually making more of a business decision, right? If you're, maybe it's a brand decision, right? Of we're backing this film festival, so sure, $5,000 off our corporate sponsorship budget, done, that's easy. Or maybe it's the other side of like, I need to get my design team to learn these skills. I don't want to write a paycheck. This is a line from Patrick McKenzie um, saying that no HR manager wants to write a paycheck where the memo line says researching free stuff on the internet. (laughs) Basically making the point that like, oh, I'm not going to pay for that. I can learn it for free. And it's like, it's not free if that's your job. And so, you know, if you think about that, you might have a team license or something else where you... um, charge quite a bit more
1: yep and so I think the the key thing to take away from from this portion of the discussion is there is no universal pricing structure for a product online well for a product period actually and you can see this in anything in purses you can see it in backpacks you can see it in books and courses um, even plants that grow out of the ground are priced quite right. widely uh, if you go to like some nursery out, where they're grown versus at some little boutique in the middle of Portland. There could be a $50 swing in one plant, you know? And so the point here is value-based pricing is about much more than just what does the person get out of the specific thing they're buying? It's about the entire experience. It's about their identity. It's about how, what you're selling them allows them to see themselves and then what they can do with it. Yeah. Yeah that makes sense um there's a couple things that as we get
0: into multiple packages that i want to touch on um the first one is price anchoring i don't know where this quote is from it's probably from like the advertising days you know like mad money uh, mad money no not mad money mad men it's very different one is a highly enjoyable show the other is um someone yelling at you on television but that's price anchoring and so that's the the phrase is like the best place to sell a two thousand dollar watch is next to a $10,000 watch. And I actually was years ago in London at the um, Harrods department store, you know, the massive, like fills a whole city block or more. And I was walking through all these things that I was never going to buy, just enjoying the tourism of it all. And then I, I saw like this $2,000 watch. And I was like, that's so expensive. And right next to it was like a $25,000 watch. And I was like, that looks weirdly cheap now by context. And so something happens with price anchoring, right? Where if you were to come out and say, I'm going to sell a $40 book, people would be like, that's crazy. Books are not $40. Books are $20 at most. Well, if you put a $100 course next to it, then the $40 starts to seem cheap. And that's just pricing psychology. And um, again, I'd point everyone to Dan Ariely's work on that. Um, but you can, you can do that with anchoring. So for example, if I were to sell a $100 course, and I didn't have the time to put together another um, packaging system or like a, another version of the course, then I might sell $500 coaching right next to it to try to anchor that price.
1: And I, I always thought that you were particularly good at the anchoring and packaging piece uh, with your courses and books because part of the problem with Amazon, right, is that they are going for volume. So mm-hmm. their their whole math equation on the elasticity curve is sell it for the smallest margins possible, where we can still make a little bit of money, but where if we sell millions of them, we make a right. lot of money. And so they, have, they operate on the long tail philosophy that if we sell you everything and anything on the planet and make a little bit off of anything, then we'll make a lot of money in aggregate. And it works quite well, right? But the other thing that is true about pricing is that scarcity plays a role. And we see this all of the time with things like course launches or a limited run of um, a new physical product, one of which I'll I'll highlight later in the week as one of my resources of the day as a good example. But if there is scarcity, then it actually doesn't matter that you could buy a book of the same length for a third of the price, because the point isn't the length of the book or the paper it's printed on or anything else. The point is the knowledge contained within it. And if you've done your work, like we've talked about, to build an audience around not just your topic, but also your unique take on your topic or your unique perspective you can provide related to whatever the you know core of your business is, then you're, whatever you're creating is automatically scarce. Mm-hmm. And if you've done that work to build the audience up front, then you actually, the person is not going to make a buying decision between your book and a book on Amazon. That's not how that works. They're going to make a decision between, do I want this thing or do I not want this thing? And so part of what you're trying to do with anchoring and packaging with different versions of the same product is you're giving them a choice between which thing to buy from you, as opposed to a yes, no decision. A yes, no decision Most people will default to no, because that's what the fear tells them to do, right? Oh, I shouldn't spend this money. It wasn't in my budget, blah, 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 blah. But when you give them multiple options and you anchor the one you actually want them to buy on a higher priced option, then you do a couple of things. You remove the fear of buying the wrong thing because they can make the decision. Well, I didn't buy the most expensive one, so I was responsible, number one. And number two, it's like, well, I got to choose between which one of these was right for me. And I chose the right one for me. And so they're able to justify it to themselves multiple ways, which is very smart from a psychological standpoint, because you're getting yourself out of this, like win or lose scenario and into a, I win either way you win because you get to consume this thing. And so we both are happy. Yeah.
0: And I think that's so important to getting people to choose between which version rather than yes or no. Cause if you're like, well, I don't want them to have to choose. It's like, they're choosing anyway. The decision is just, should I give Barrett money? Should I keep the money for myself? You know, and so instead it's like, which quantity of money should I give to Barrett? And that is a way better conversation for Barrett than it, than the yes
1: or no. That's exactly it. Um, I'd love for you to get into kind of how you packaged maybe one of your early courses so that people can hear how you differentiated um, between them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let me just screen share. I'm going to use as an example... Um, my book called Designing Web Applications. And this was released December, 2012. So seven and a half, eight years ago. Um, And uh, you can see it at nathanberry.com slash web apps. So I always did these long form sales pages, which were really common in other industries. I just added good design to them. And so basically what I did is I have these three packages and I showed you the complete package first. And this is like much more of a course where it's got the book, but then I've got videos on lighting and form design and all of this stuff. I did a bunch of interviews, which is a good way to add a lot of value um, quickly. And then I included all the resources that I had on at the time. Photoshop is what everyone was using. You know, now I do a course on Figma, and it, it would include all my Figma files. But I had case studies and and bonus content and stuff like that, right? So this is basically the whole the whole product right here. And then and I would sell that for two hundred forty nine dollars. But then, as you kept scrolling, if you're like, okay, you know, reading to that point, then you'd come across this one for ninety nine dollars, and that has a lot of similar things, you know, but half the tutorials, half the the interviews, but still the book. Or then down here for thirty nine dollars, um, I had just the book. Now I used to do this another way. I think that um, okay, so this one I have relaunched later with a, a co-author Jeremy Olson, and looks like I switched this. Uh, there was an early version that I had where I had like a pricing column mm-hmm. where you could compare them side to side. Um, that was one of the tests that I ran was basically, should I go least expensive to most expensive? Should I display all of them at the same time? Should I go most expensive to least expensive? And after much testing, uh, this layout of like basically saying, this is what to buy. Or if not that, buy this. Or if not that, buy this other thing. Um, is what I ended up on. Basically, what I found is that doing pricing and packaging in this way tripled revenue over what I would have made if I'd just done the book for $39, which is what I was going to do. Um, So I would highly recommend uh, taking that approach.
1: Um, Question for you. What was kind of the rough distribution between number of purchases of each package? Do you remember at all?
0: Yeah, I'd have to pull up some of those. And I have a bunch of those numbers on my blog from you know, seven years ago. So I'll drop some links in the chat afterwards. Um, but it was roughly like 60% of all purchases were just the book, but it was the inverse where like 60 or 70% of all revenue was from the top package. Okay. And so you end up right with these, these lopsided curves going both directions where you're like, Oh, most of the money comes from this small segment. And then most of the sales come from this other one.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I what I love about this is it gives everyone an option, you know, mm-hmm. for the, the $39 buyers, they can confidently go to their partner or spouse and say, I was really responsible when they their spouse asked them what that charge was. It's like, I only okay. bought the $39 version. There was a $250 version. Okay. But then other people who you know, maybe they're making a real uh, deep investment in themselves and their business, or they just have more disposable income. They have an option too, because they want all of it. You see this in services businesses as well. You know, uh, I went for my birthday last year on a guided fly fishing trip that was supposed to be just like a bunch of people sign up and you go out with a random few people for the day. It happened that no one signed up. And so I got a private tour or a private guide for the day. But the way they normally package them, their services is- You can do a random group of people and you chance who you sign up with, and that's the lowest cost. You can do a group of people that you bring all of them. That's slightly more, but still lower per person. Or you can go by yourself, and that's obviously more. Because there's only one human, right, that's going out regardless. And so this doesn't just apply to um, online products. It applies to services and other things like that. Before we wrap up, I want to give one more lesson that I've learned from pricing, especially related to services, Uh, I've mentioned before that I did um, and occasionally still do really deep dive strategic business coaching, kind of taking my consulting background. And then I've got hundreds and hundreds of hours of coaching under my belt at this point. What I learned from that was early on, I think I charged, I don't know, maybe 50 or $75 per session, which was an hour, an hour and a half long. And by the time I kind of, At the last time I hit pause, which was a couple of years ago now, I was charging $500 per session. And I had gone from an hour and a half to an hour, which in and of itself is you're making 30% more money, right? And the way that I was able to go up the pricing tier like that is by essentially filling my capacity. Because as you fill your capacity, then the cost to you of the next customer is high because you're essentially stretching yourself. And so what I learned as a service provider is the more confident you are in what you offer or your confidence builds as you offer it more is the way I should put that. So let's say you have a stable of 10 clients and another person comes to you and says, hey, can you do coaching for me? Well, when you're already full, you know, you've got money taken care of. There's no risk to you saying double what your rate previously was. And they say, but I talked to one of your clients and they said it was this. So, yeah, but I'm in high demand now. So it's going to cost you. Y instead of X. Yeah, or just say
0: they've been with me for a long time and they're grandfathered in, or, you
1: know, exactly along those lines. And I just progressively did that over time. And so that goes again to the demand thing. When supply shortens because demand is higher, meaning there's more people demanding you than you have hours to give them as a service provider, you can raise your prices over time. And as you raise your prices, your full slate of clients can become smaller actually, where you make more money per client and you can pretty much choose just to work with people that you really enjoy working with. So there's a lot of the same principles that can apply to service-based businesses as well. And I just wanted to kind of highlight that if that might be the situation that you're in.
0: Yep. That's good. Um, Before we wrap up, um, just a couple quick examples. So I would say if you're doing a design course or you're coming out with something on the low end, right? Um, We've got a product, uh, a book, a guide, any of those things. You're selling it for $10. Great. Add a second package where you're having some more downloadable resources. The Photoshop files, something else for $15 where you're like, great, I'm giving uh, people the option to pay 50% more if they want to. I bet a lot of people will. If you've got the book coming out, do the for $39, do the full course for $79. If you have a $99 course coming out, as I think somebody uh, dropped in the chat that said they did, add in a coaching package or something else for $500. We're saying, I normally charge at this rate, but now you can buy access to all of my stuff and learn from that at this much cheaper rate. Play around with those. Think about what else could I offer um, when it comes to multiple packages? What could I, what resources could I add in? to help you shortcut that whole process? Can I give you templates, files, worksheets? When I did authority, uh, my book on how to build an audience and then self-publish a book, it's very meta topic, was was very, very popular. The most uh, requested thing in there is I had a 90 day launch plan. And that was only in the highest package. It was an additional add-on. And so many people wanted that because they wanted to be told, do this, then this, then this, then this. And so, so many people upgraded to the $250 version to get those exact instructions. So if you have that in your business, include that in a higher package and it'll do really well.
1: Yep, love it. All right, boop boop doop boop 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 creator of the day. (laughs) Uh, My creator of the day is, um, I'm actually gonna also highlight a thing that Christian Spo or Spow was just asking us about, which is um, ConvertKit, creators, people who use our software. Um, Jaylee Barclay is uh, my creator of the day. She is an online video coach that helps people who make courses, uh, make much more engaging courses and improve the quality and substance of their videos. And today we just launched a story about Jaylee. You can find it on the blog. If you search ConvertKit creator stories, or uh, I'll drop the link in the chat as well. We have this series that we do, we call it an aggregate, I am a creator It originally came out of this series and a coffee table book we made called I am a blogger. And, um, every week we publish one of these in-depth stories and it's got full length written story, beautiful photography that is original by us. And then an audio version as well that we uh, post right at the top that you can catch. Um, all of those audio stories can now be found in podcast apps under I am a creator as well. So uh, it's just a, a read or performed version of the written one. You're not going to get something different, but you will get a different angle on it because it's read by the writer of the story. So anyways, Jay Lee and her story are both my creator and my resource of the day today.
0: Yeah. Nice. I like it. Um, I'm going to take the same approach and uh, uh, feature some of our favorite uh, ConvertKit customers. And this is Kelsey Baldwin. She's a designer. She does a lot of great stuff. And she just has an incredible story Um, I believe we already have her story out or it's coming soon, but there's some great stuff there. She's got a lot of details on running a design business and more from there. But one of the reasons that I particularly want to feature her is she has quite a life story of what she's gone through and the adversity that she's overcome. And she wrote about that in a book called Strong Girl, Brave Girl um, that's out. You can order it anywhere. It looks like she's linking to Amazon there, Um, but check her stuff out at paperandoats.com.
1: Love it. Uh, I think that's it for today. Um, My thought of the day is quoting Nathan Barry, which is, or no, I'm actually going to quote Emily Mills. Sorry. (laughs) Whatever you think you should charge, do that and then double it. Cause I thought that was pretty good. Um, I think you'll be surprised by what people will be willing to pay. And I would guess that you are probably undervaluing what it is that you make and what it is that, you know, because you've been there at every step of the way and it doesn't feel like all that much to you, but to other people, it will feel like magic. Um, And so you should really make sure that you take that into account, into your pricing. Love it. That's all we got for you today. All right. See you all tomorrow.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you didn't pick it up from the show, we make a tool called ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. If you want to give ConvertKit a try, you can go to landingpage.new to launch your next creative project. You'll be able to build a landing page and send emails for up to 500 subscribers totally for free. So, again, that's landingpage.new. You can get started with your free ConvertKit account today.